Whether you are a startup or an established entrepreneur, nothing communicates your company's message better than brilliant branding. With over 25 years in the business and over 250 companies named, expert Phil Davis and his team at Tungsten Branding will enlighten, brighten, and illuminate your mind so your brand will shine. Get ready to flip the switch and spark your imagination. Welcome to Brilliant Branding with host Phil Davis and Liz Heemstrom. Welcome, Branding fans worldwide. This is Phil and Liz here, uh, getting ready to broadcast it's live again. Live again. Uh, we've been Sorry for sort of leaving you. Kind of leaving past. you stranded with Jimmy Kimmel reruns. So <laughs> Hopefully um, you enjoyed them. Hopefully the second time through, maybe it, uh, it, it sunk in. But we're back today. I was on a two-week jaunt um, giving some keynote speeches. And today, fresh off that, I'm going to continue what I was speaking about, um, which is the three Ds of dominant brands. And I don't think there's anything really more relevant in branding right now than what we see as the emergence of strong, dominant brands. And Liz, one of the things I shared in one of my keynotes was that it's almost like the turtles that come on the beach. Nature's this way, right? It, it overproduces. And you see this right now with craft beers. You see this with just about every industry that's doing well. There's an oversupply of brands. And whether it's nature and the little turtles crawling up or whatever, the sad fact is that most of them won't make it over the long haul. So as I put my mind to this, and as I got ready to, get to speak, I, we have a, a group of growers, a grower network called Harmony that supplies um, grass and sod to Home Depot and Lowe's. And I was speaking to the growers, and Harmony is becoming a dominant brand. And I thought, what can we continue to do and foster to make sure that they remain a dominant brand in the industry? And then what really makes and keeps brands dominant in their space? Why is it that some brands do a 50 or 60% share of the market and the other 40% is divided over hundreds of different competitors. So we delved deep here at the Tungsten Labs and we discovered the three Ds of dominant brands. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So the, the number one thing, and this keeps it easy, the Ds, I was a preacher's kid, so I learned to do the alliterative numbering, was developing. And I what I realized in all of the brands, the ones we see today that are really making their mark, hitting their stride, is that all of these, and this dovetails nicely into what we tell clients every single day in this business, is that real, genuine, authentic brands that survive, the one turtle that survives out of the 100 eggs, is the one that really believes and has a deeply embedded belief system. So number one on the list is develop. You de Dominant brands develop real, true, authentic stories. They come from a place of authenticity of drive and determination, which then empowers the ideation that produces the products. Then other brands come along and they're more coming from an energy of imitation. What can we do to imitate that brand's um, energy? But it's hard, it's really hard to, to imitate it. It is hard to imitate, especially if that's not who you are. Yeah, I mean, if they're just coming from, oh, well, we can put more. I remember when the iPod came out and Right away, competitors go, well, let's just, you know, they do 500 songs, ours can do 1,000. As if just some feature will overcome the brand. We'll just, you know, we'll put more capacity or we'll say ours clocks a little bit faster. 
Right. And I think people nowadays too can see a lot more through some of that. Yeah. Some of that. And that's what creates that brand loyalty. You know, so we were talking about the Zune. Remember when the Zune Mm -hmm. came out? And there was a lot of ways technically it was better. Yeah. But that's where we get into brand loyalty. You were first. You were first in I believe in you. And maybe you're behind for right now, but my bet is that you're going to leapfrog it. I've developed a trust relationship with you. And it's going to take more than just incremental increases. Samsung, for all the, the money in the world, is always telling people they're the next great thing. So what's interesting is I actually Googled the next big thing. And Apple stuff comes up a lot. But here's what's interesting. It comes up organically. So here's the power of branding. When you own a position in somebody's mind that you are the exciting new next great thing, it's free. But when you have to say, well, we want to be perceived as that, and you buy it with marketing, you have to tell people, no, we're the next big thing, and you spend millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. And so that becomes, you know, that's why dominant brands become more dominant. So developing that story. So just what are some great stories? Well, I think we've all heard of Tom's, the shoe company. So I went through some of these, and I, I just went to them. And it's interesting, Liz, because as you go to these sites, it doesn't have to be there. You don't have to find a great story. But every brand that I thought, dominant brand in their space or emerging brand, one that you know is heading that way, just had one. And it wasn't a clinical, dry, about us we have a 50,000 square foot manufacturing facility in Des Moines, Iowa that employs over 6,000 employees. It was none of that. So here's a few of them. So we're talking about dominant brands. Tom's, they say for every pair of shoes or boots that you purchase, Tom's will give a pair to a child in need. Their philosophy is one for one and it drives it. And they have a page on their site. If you go to toms.com forward slash improving hyphen lives it's their whole manifesto about how they really are on task to improve the world and that shoes are a means to an end they're going to sell shoes to help clothe children and people sense that and they want to be part of it and they want to participate in that and so that's that power of attraction that magnetic feeling of you are aligned with how i believe And I want to know that my money and my efforts are supporting the same kinds of things that my purchases are. And in creating that alignment, your brand becomes more attractive, more cohesive, more congruent. And it brings people in, a lot of times very efficiently. It gets a lot of press, a lot of traction, where other people try to power their way in through money, through advertising and purchasing. Patagonia is another one that's got a diehard fan base. Um, and their tagline is, or not their tagline, but their mission statement is build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm and use business to inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. So that's the governing guiding light to everything they do. So again, what is, what's makes for a dominant brand? It's people that develop rich, embedded and authentic stories. Facebook started off with the the mantra of connect the world. And their mission statement to this day is um, to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. 
People use Facebook to stay connected with friends and family, to discover what's going on in the world, and to share and express what matters to them. And do you hear the emotive words there, Liz? Mm -hmm. I mean, none of that is about, you know, our web design is superior. You know, unlike MySpace, Facebook offers 16 more features. We, you can load more images. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that mechanical, clumsy. <clears throat> right. Uh, Amazon started off pr- uh, pretty cool. Our vision is to be the Earth's most customer-centric company. Not just any, you know, the United States. Not just the UK. But the entire world to be the most customer-centric company. To build a place where people can come to find and discover what they might want to buy online. Now think about, you know, this is a dominant brand, isn't it? So their early competitor was Books A Million. That doesn't sound like the expansive, deep, entrenched belief system that would power like Books A Million. This sounds like some company that really wants to take it on and move mountains. Um, Apple, Steve Jobs notoriously said he just wanted it before he died to make a dent in the universe. And according to The Economist, Steve Jobs' mission statement for Apple way back in 1980 was to make a contribution to the world by making tools for the mind that advance humankind. Doesn't that sound different? Isn't that way different to be the third most uh, top-selling computer company in America and incremental sales growth and have meetings where you say, well, you know, if if we work hard in the education sector, we can grow our penetration rate by 2.6% next year. It was expansive. And these are all companies, I think we can agree, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, that have become dominant. Starbucks. You know, how many coffee shops were there in the world and still are? I mean, everybody and their brother has a has a coffee shop. Why is it we have one in town? It rotates ownership, Liz. What would you say, like every six months? What one? Brighter. Oh, day. well, yeah. I think they're It's they're like a revolving door. <laughs> so what did Starbucks do different? Well, they said our mission is to inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time to inspire and nurture the human spirit. So that gives a brand life, breadth, and depth so that the people entering the organization pick up on that energy and go, we're more than just coffee. We're more than just computers. We're more than books at Amazon. We're more than uh, kittens on Facebook. Yeah. You know, Patagonia, we're more than just climbing gear. And Tom's, I'm not just buying a pair of shoes. I'm helping to clothe a child in another country. Right. And I think the power behind these mission statements is not that they have them, but the fact that they follow through Absolutely. with them. I mean, there's tons of com- companies that have mission statements, probably quite similar, but they don't follow through with them. So it's not genuine. That's an excellent point in that the 
the purpose here in giving you this information isn't, well, my goodness, what I'm gathering from this is I need a really cool mission statement. Right, exactly. So I'll, yeah. I'll, or I'll even craft one that sounds very humanitarian. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you don't manufacture hum, a humanitarian movement. It's got to be felt. And the people that started these companies, Bezos and, and Zuckerberg and all of these, were mm-hmm. founders who truly felt impassioned to do this. And, you know, if you think, let's go back to our turtles on the beach. What one turtle made it? It's probably the turtle with the most drive, right? It's the turtle that says, I'm not going to die on this beach, this lonely beach. I'm going to make it. And so they follow the moonlight or whatever turtles do. (laughs) And they made it. Um, And others get lost along the way. You know, they just, they lose their way. So develop the three D's of dominant brands. Number one is develop that story and not develop it mechanically or artificially or in a rote kind of way. But maybe it's even develop. Maybe it's just identify what is that motiv- motivating feature that mm-hmm. caused you Look to do internally versus externally. This goes back to the initial point that we talked about imitation. Don't think, oh, Tom's has a great admission statement. Yeah. I want to be that too. Right. So who can we give stuff away to? Right. Right. Like um, Skechers created Bob's, yeah. which was a direct sort of competitor to Tom's. Now, I don't recall if Bob's had the same sort of idea of giving to children, but they created that brand in the same shoe to look like it. But do you hear about Bob's now? I, I don't hear so much about Bob's. Right. Because yeah. I don't think they actually lived through any sort of purpose or meaning. They just yeah. imitated Tom's. And you can you can hear the formatting. Tom's, Bob's. Yeah, and the shoes looked similar. Right. They yeah, directly. Right. So that's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there it goes. <laughs> so uh the second part of developing is to develop the partnerships. So what dominant brands do is leverage other companies that share similar value systems. Uh, and in doing so, again, and I'm a I'm an, a former advertising agency owner, so right, you can rate me right up there with a former smoker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you smoked, you're never going to smoke again, and you <laughs> you just you're the worst person around other smokers, right? You're the most <laughs> abhorrent person. Yeah. So I look at this and I go, not only is this the trait or a best practice of a dominant brand, not only is it good. But it's also something that you can do and leverage that will leverage you at no additional expense. One of the things that I was guilty of when I had my advertising agency was being so successful that I ran myself out of business. I would frequently find partnerships and ways to co-brand things. The client would do so well, they would reduce their advertising expenditure. And I thought, you know, I'm either really good or really dumb. Um, so I need to do something different. And so I got more into branding. So develop partnerships. So what are some brands that are killing it? There's a few of them out there. Red Bull is partnered with GoPro. I mean, a marriage made in heaven. You're riding a bike down, you know, Devil's Canyon Falls. <laughs> and it looks like the bike isn't rolling, it's falling. And you're seeing this and it's nauseating. When I gave my presentation, I showed a clip and there was people that got up and left the room because the GoPro footage was so unnerving to watch people just drop down and then they would they would go off these cliffs and do a flip and land and interspersed throughout all of this amazing footage was Red Bull 
like you need to be jacked up. Like there's not enough adrenaline going Red down. Red Bull among. gives you wings, right? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna fly. You and you needed it in this video. Mm-hmm. So Red Bull was a great one. Uber is doing something with Spotify. You can do the ride, the music for your ride before they show up, yep. and somehow they've got it to just stream magically when you go into the Uber. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it just you know. I'm commands. guessing it's through the app. So it just takes on your own phone. You know, you create the Spotify playlist and it looks like you do something through the Uber app and the driver has the Uber app. So there must be some you use, talking to each yeah, other you, there. Yeah, you usurp their their uh, their system there and the guy goes, this isn't what right. I want. Mm-hmm. But I thought that's a neat thing and it's a differentiator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Spotify is kind of cool and Uber's up and coming, Uber cool and Spotify. So, again, another match they reinforce each other. It's a differentiator. Maybe you don't go on Lyft now because you want to bring your music right. with you. Or you don't use Pandora, you use Spotify. Yeah, the other way around. Maybe mm-hmm. you, go, you switch now because of that. And then on, uh, the third example that we gave throughout the presentation was Nike and some of the ways that they're working with Apple mm-hmm. and the smartwatch, you know, yep. in terms of all the things that those things can do. And they're not really at odds with each other. Nike's doing the, you know, go live your life, you can do it. Apple's kind of got the same vibe, but on the technology front. So um, we're talking about the three Ds of dominant branding, and number one is to develop. You want to develop your story, and you want to develop and leverage partnerships. And when we come back, we'll go into the second D, which is diversify. So you're listening to Brilliant Branding, and we'll talk to you soon here on the other side of the break. Be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Brilliant Branding. 
To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, and we're back. Today we're talking about the three Ds of dominant brands. I think everybody out there who's aspiring to build a business, and not just a business, because a business in and of itself can kind of turn into a one-trick pony. Um, And if you're not careful, uh, you'll end up just running the length of a business cycle. You'll have something that works. You sell something. I, I guess a great example would be opening the first typewriter store, and you do well until nobody uses typewriters anymore. But if you build a brand, you're building something that owns a position in, in somebody's mind. You're owning attributes and not products. You're owning safety. You're owning innovation. You're owning um, convenience. You're owning something that can morph then as, as things change, you morph along with it. And that is the characteristics of a dominant brand, the ones that survive and thrive. Um, these are the characteristics. And the first one we talked about in the first third of the hour was the ability to develop a deep, rich, and embedded story. So dominant brands come out of a deep belief system and, and a passion about what people do and what they're on task to do. It's just because there's going to be hard times in business. Steve Jobs basically, you know, hit the, I mean, he went to the mat a few times. He was kicked out of his own company. But he kept coming back because he had a deep and abiding belief. And at some point, they said, we need him back. Mm-hmm. We need somebody in here who's a visionary. I mean, you see that in all these companies. Disney struggled for many years until they found, I think it was Michael Eisner, to come back in and said, we need somebody who has that Disney vision again, uh, who can see things and, and imagineer. Mm-hmm. So number one is develop the story and develop partnerships that align with you. Number two on all of this dominant brands is to diversify. And I'm going to be a little careful in how we go over this because this isn't about going out there willy-nilly. We're going to be specific in how we diversify. Dominant brands focus on the end benefits of what they deliver. Dominant brands focus on the end benefits of what they deliver or they provide. They diversify. It's almost think of like water running down a hill. It hits a rock goes around the rock and finds another way to keep continuing to deliver that benefit. And people that are product identified hit the rock and just stop. They go like, well, we are our product, so we can't can't do anything about it. So they diversify, and one way they do it is they diversify their channels. Dominant brands adapt to the changing face of retail and distribution. And that's been a huge sea change in the last five years. We're seeing massive amounts of bankruptcies and closures in brick and mortar stores and in retail. And all that is, is a methodology of distribution. It's not like people aren't buying things. You know, it's like, oh, retail is dying. Really? Because from what I know, I don't know one person who's not still buying things. Mm -hmm. It's just the manner in which they're buying them. Correct. Right. So in 2015, we use facts here once in a while, (laughs) U.S. retail, e-commerce side, spending accounted for about a third of a trillion dollars. Billion. Yeah, well, 338 billion. (laughs) Right, right, right. So I'm doing rough math here. (laughs) Five five billion off. My math math brain isn't on right now. Turn on the math brain. So about a third (laughs) of a trillion. (laughs) 
Um, it's projected to tap over half a trillion or $530 billion in 2020. Now, that's just a few short months away. So just in that little bit of a time, we're going from a third of a trillion to half a trillion dollars in commerce online. Now, flashback online. I read the early, early days of online. There was consumer advocates telling you not to put your credit card online because it was no, it was the Wild West. Don't even. They said it wasn't going to. Few people predicted it wasn't going to make it. No one's ever going to put a credit card online. And now we have basically a sea change. So that is a different form of distribution. So again, dominant brands focus on the end benefit. So if you were a brand and you were coming up and you were kind of owning it, and all of a sudden you go, but man, we're just we're starting to die off here a little bit this at this brick and mortar store that we have. You can d- double down and just run more ads. This is why I came from the ad business and I and I quit it. I would get clients that would have that mentality. Well, what can we do? You need to, the pressure was on me, write a better ad, you know, mm-hmm. create a better offer, come up with an incredibly funny hook. Or, and sometimes you'd, you'd do this kind of one trick thing and it would work and then you'd beat it to death. Right, short term. Short term. We did a car giveaway at a dealership. It was like, if you show up, we have 20 cars out there and one of them will be free, just free at 10 o'clock. So hundreds of people would show up. They would all jam into these cars. They'd wait and it'd be some old clunker, like a $1,500 car. <laughs> and But it was just this guy. And then every other dealer was doing it. And then everybody was giving away free cars, but they were really, you know, it's that kind of cheesy, incongruent, bait and switchy kind of stuff that finally got me to go. I, you know, I took a lot of showers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we really did give away the car, but it was just never quite the car you thought it was. Right. Yeah. All right. So lots of billions of dollars are going to be spent on that. And so how are you going to respond? Here's some examples. You've got major retailers, um, big grocery store chains that are now having to face the fact that Amazon is coming in and saying, you know what we're going to do? We'll just buy one of them. And here's what you do. If you really like going to the store, keep going. But if you don't, we'll just ship it to you online. And they're finding ways to do categories they never thought you could do. You know, um, vegetables, produce. They're finding more and more ways. They're getting more and more clever. The first time I heard, Liz, about a, a drone delivering something, I thought it was a spoof. I thought it was like like a meme or a joke. Mm-hmm. Like. This is probably three or four years ago. Like uh, yeah. Amazon was experimenting with. It. I thought, <laughs> who's who got spoofed on that one? Mm-hmm. Little drones that can't hardly lift anything. And I thought around here in Carolinas that people would probably just take guns out and shoot them down, which they probably still would. But right, it's almost the uh, future equivalent of a carrier pigeon. Right, it's like <laughs> we're back to carrier pigeons. <laughs> But I don't doubt at some point that there'll be, and if it's not that, it just shows you the spirit behind it. We're going to find a better, more efficient, easier way to deliver. So what else do we see besides that? We see services like Blue Apron, and you and Hunter have tried that, right? Yeah. Oh, we Yeah, we tried HelloFresh and Green Chef, but Blue Apron was, I believe, the first to market in first terms to market. of the meal delivery to your house and what and that's kind of what kind of a halfway there meals in a box so it's not restaurant Mm -hmm. but it's not grocery store right it's 
kind of a blend. It's like we've kind of done half the work and you've got to do the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It's DiGiorno's. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what was your experience with that? I mean, it did was, you like it? It was great. I remember smelling some of the food. It yeah, everything tasted really good. Um, all the directions were easy to follow. All the food pretty much kept fresh. I think the only drawback was the price. Price is a little prohibitive. Price was a little high, um, but that's what you're going to be paying for convenience. You're, so you're, you're paying the convenience factor, and some people are willing to. I think the point here is that there's another erosion, isn't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. An erosion point. So now restaurants serve it. It's made to order. It's thirty-five or forty dollars, and you have a lunch for a couple of people, or maybe it's half that price, and it's blue apron. Or go do it yourself at the grocery store. Yep. But more and more stores are starting to respond by having what uh, more delicatessens, more take it with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chick, the rotisserie chicken is cooked and it's waiting right there. Right. 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 <clears throat> mm-hmm. So it's this ability to to adapt. And diversify. The theme here is diversify. Blockbuster had a hard time diversifying because they had so much money. And this is where people go blind. Yes. They they've and they were stubborn. They're stubborn because it's like, nope, we and we get money on fees. They wouldn't even let go of fees. I mean for a while. Remember yeah. that? For the longest time. It's like, yeah. nope, you're day late, you're gonna pay. And then it was quote unquote no late fees, except essentially you'd have to pay for the movie if it if you didn't get all of it was not very customer centric it was defending their what they thought was their moat which we can treat customers that way because we own the the uh, dvd and the vhs industry and therein lies the problem what they thought they owned were dvds and vhs's Mm -hmm. not thinking there'd be an end run on this right and what people really wanted from them was entertainment yep they were not looking for DVDs. Right. I remember just before some of the the, the actual brick-and-mortar stores closed, they were trying to push everybody to rebuy every movie. I bought all the VHSs. Then I mm-hmm. bought the DVDs. And they are like, no, you don't need to do You need to rebuy them again as Blu-ray. Right, yeah. And the machine. Yep. And so there's – and again – do you double down mm-hmm. and defend your position, or do you look at it and say we need to diversify because it's about our end benefit? What industry? And one of the practices that we take our clients through is we ask them a simple question during our brand development. When we're naming and branding a company, we ask them what business or businesses are you truly in? And some of the biggest, most eye-opening things are when they get that aha moment. If we had been sitting down there with Blockbuster maybe 15 years ago, maybe something could have happened. Right. And they said, we're in the business of entertainment. Right. Or movies. Maybe they would have developed content. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they would have said, we're in the business of creating Blockbuster. I often thought about this. What if they shifted and said, Blockbuster is hits. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have you know the greatest hits on one shelf, and then the, the latest video games on one shelf, and the next one's the top 10 gadgets mm-hmm. in the market. And you went in there, and there was 15 walls of the best-selling blockbuster things that you could get. Right. Well, and maybe you remember this better, but in my memory, I remember Netflix came on. And Blockbuster essentially didn't even see them as competition. It didn't seem that. I mean, we and don't know they, that internally. They, but I, re- I do remember thinking at one point, 
why Blockbuster wasn't trying to do what Netflix was they doing. They seem slow on the on the go, but remember they had mortgage payments. And you know, right. I think we understand this as people, right? Mm-hmm. You're invested. Like I can't do that. I just paid. I just paid. For, I got to finish paying this off. Right. You know, I think churches face this now. They just had a big building program, and all of a sudden they've got to pay a tremendous mortgage. And maybe there's people that say, I just want to stream this church service into a home. Maybe a pastor starts something and and broadcasts remotely from a small warehouse and can put on something that looks just as good as going to a place. And people stay at home and they don't have to get dressed. And someone says, but I just built a $30 million church. And that's why churches like to position around community. Yes. And I think that has been to their benefit. Yep. Seeing as, you know, it's not... It's about the preaching. It's, it's not, about it's, coming here yep. and being with your fellow believers. And, and having that social contact and driving those messages home. Mm, worshiping together as one. Walmart, I think, was a little slow on the draw to see the threat of Amazon. They're responding by buying Jet, which is kind of a an Amazon look-alike, sound-alike, be-alike. And so they're investing heavily right now into the internet. But it's a little bit of catch-up mm-hmm. to do this. So these are examples of ways that companies need to recognize and diversify to do it. Dominant brands also diversify their offerings. So they dominate, dominant brands adopt brand extensions and innovate to meet their customer needs. Mm -hmm. Um, An example of that, um, Steve Cook, not to be confused with Tim Cook. Scott Cook. Or Scott Cook. Um, whose prior work yeah. at Procter & Gamble helped him realize that personal computers would eventually lend themselves towards replacement of pen or paper and pencil-based accounting. So he developed Intuit. Mm-hmm. And from Intuit, he then developed um, QuickBooks, Mint, which I believe is more on the personal side. Mm-hmm. Budgeting. Budgeting. And then... TurboTax. Yep. So once he said, okay, it's not about, people still need accounting. Yeah. But they're not going to take number two pencils, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to do that. Let's go develop it over online. But once he's online, there he diversified, right? Yep. Then he continued to say, well, you know, there's there's businesses, yep. there's personal, and then there's tax season. Mm-hmm. So it's always looking for what are ways that people are going to need accounting services, how can I deliver it more efficiently, and how can I deliver it through different channels? Yes. And it's that constant adaptation and innovation that keeps the brand relevant, and by being relevant, you become dominant. Mm-hmm. By being relevant, you keep and remain dominant. Uh, Scott Cook from Intuit's uh, quote is, a brand is no longer what we tell the customer. It is what customers tell each other it is. So once you get out there in the market and you have a compelling message and you share that message, the hope is that people will share that message with others. And that's where things grow today virally. Mm -hmm. Because we have a credible, to your point, Liz, earlier today, you said you can't just create this flat story. Mm Mm-hmm. You've got to create one that people believe in. Tom's shoes, people believe that. They'll share it. Man, mm-hmm. my goodness, you know, we have a, a client that we've branded, Mount Washmore. And it's all about creating that kind of national park experience. You know, friends don't let friends drive dirty. Mm-hmm. 
And we started donating a dollar from every wash to plant a tree in a national forest. And that has been shared so many times. If you go to mountwashmore.com, on there, every time you buy a Washington package, a dollar of that wash goes to plant a tree. We've planted, I think, probably now a couple of thousand trees in some of these areas that were just fire ravaged. So that resonates with people. I think Starbucks is probably the best example of diversification. Yes. Um, they've expanded their sales channels. We saw them at first. They were building them like crazy. Brick and mortar stores were everywhere. We saw the original one um, right there on, I think it's Wall Street or something, right down there in Seattle. It was mm -hmm. right near the waterfront. And it didn't look like much. Mm -hmm. uh, so they did that. Then they opened. I've seen them. We've got kiosk. We've got a store here. It's Ingalls. You walk mm -hmm. in. Now, brick and mortar. And now they're subletting. Mm -hmm. um, they started varying their flavors. So they got a light roast and a heavy roast and a dark roast. They started selling the actual flavors in the stores. So different distribution model. And then they acquired other brands that were similar minded. Um, is it Tasso Teas? I think it's Tezo. Tezo. Yeah. A Tivana, Evolution Fresh, Seattle's Best. So they started getting other brands that fit and they began to diversify. Coke is doing this a lot now. Mm -hmm. Coca Cola. As they move away from that real sugary image, yeah. they're buying more brands that are shifting them gradually and diversifying. Right, so they can appeal to a larger audience. Right, because... There's still people that are going to drink Coke. Yeah, but that would be a diminished right. audience. So mm -hmm. if they said, nope, we're the classic, we're never going to change, we're never going to uh, diversify or adapt, uh, we're going to stay committed. If it's not broke, let's not fix it until it is broke. And then it's too late. And then they'll, they'll be permanently identified as this sugary soda water that's not good for you. But instead... They're adapting by buying more healthy brands and even running campaigns to limit sugar. So brands that are dominant, they develop and they diversify. And we're going to be coming back to talk about the third D, which is deliver. So you're listening to Brilliant Branding. Hope you're enjoying this information, taking notes and helping to grow your brand into a strong, dominant brand that will be around for a long time. So listen to us on the other side of the break, and we look forward to continuing the conversation. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your brand is your story, and getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? 
Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, so you're back to Brilliant Branding here where the lights are always on and we're always fired up. We're amped up. Yeah, always. All of our information are jewels. Get it? J-O-U-L-E-S. So, um, yeah, uh, so Tungsten Brandy here, we're always preaching the gospel of doing things that create illumination and enlightenment into your branding. Because if your brand is clear, concise, compelling, and consistent, you're going to shine. And so today we're talking about how can you take these strategies and create and become and maintain yourself as a dominant brand. We talked about how when you, you know nature itself overproduces, knowing that only a few will make it out. So what are the differentiating factors um, between a coffee shop down the road and one that becomes Starbucks, between a place that you know schlocks hamburgers and a McDonald's, between all the sodas that were ever made and a Coca-Cola? What is it that they do different? And the things that we've been looking at are the three D's of dominant brands. And we've talked about how they develop their story. We've talked about how they diversify their offerings based on the benefit that they, that they serve. So the, the benefit is the focus, not the delivery method. And those companies that get stuck on the delivery method, a lot of times crash and burn. It can only be in a brick and mortar store. It can only be, you know, Typewriters are the only way people will ever communicate, you know, so they should have learned from the telegraph people that that doesn't work when you stay <laughs> with one system. And the third D, because I know you're you're waiting with bated breath. What is the third D? And that is deliver or the delivery methods. Dominant brands create an enjoyable and repeatable experience. They deliver. Yeah, And uh, when we think about deliver, you know, what do you think about when you hear somebody say, well, I really like that company or I really like that band or I really like this. They really deliver. And it means it in that sense of it is they come through and they do it in a way that is repeatable. That's our consistency. Mm-hmm. So um, dominant brands deliver consistency. Dominant brands make it easy to buy. So Tom Hopkins once said, 
the secret to sales is making it easy to buy. And there's that has never been truer than in today's market. That's why Amazon is eating everyone's lunch. They make it so freaking easy to buy. You can, I mean, now there's, you can enable, how lazy is this? You enable one-click buying mm -hmm. because, oh, my finger, I don't want to click twice. You know, <laughs> just one-click buying. I mean, they even came out with those, I think they called them dots. Essentially, you buy something, say, for laundry detergent, and it's literally a button. Yeah. Put it next to laundry detergent. You're out of laundry oh, detergent. Yeah. You don't even have to go it online. Senses. You just no. You just press the button. And it orders it. And it orders it. That's the Internet and of you, Things. You, yeah. Yeah. You can get one for each, you know, whatever brand or item you want. <laughs> and that so. is coming. That yeah. is coming. The Internet of Things. It's it's going to be. You know, you've got the smart fridge, which senses that you're low on milk. You've got all of those things. And if you don't get ahead of the curve, and look a little bit into the into the crystal ball of what's coming. You could miss out in that you still offer the product. You know, dairy farmers are still going to sell milk, you know. But the way that you buy your milk, the way that you order your milk, the way that you consume your milk, the kind of milk you want to drink, is it organic? You know, is it free of lactose? Is it, is it bought in a store at the back? It's the most inconvenient thing. When I buy milk. It just frustrates me. I know what they're doing. They know you got to buy milk, so they put it in the very back of the store. I don't buy milk. Ugh, that's why you don't buy it, right? <laughs> if you're a milk drinker, I just don't drink milk. It does a body good, Liz. Well, yeah. So <laughs> that was their campaign, and I believe it. I'm was that with true? It. I believe it. So <laughs> my body is still good, and I owe it to milk. <laughs> so I go to the back of the store because I want to keep my body good, Liz. Good. And I have my milk mustache is dried up. And, Do you got milk? And I got milk, and I need milk. And so I go to the back of the store. What would it take? Strong and healthy bones. Yes. What would it take for me to buy milk a different way? Right now, it's 9, 10 o'clock at night. We're out of milk. You want it in your cereal in the morning. I've got to drive probably six miles. It could be cold, stormy, rainy out. I have to park in the parking lot, get wet, go in a store. The store could be closed. The store could be getting ready to close. I could go to the very back aisle. I get it. All the lanes are closed. I have to scan, put it in a bag, carry it home, carry it up a hill, put it in there, and put it in there. Think of how crazy that is. All it's going to take to take my business away is just make it easier to buy that. Just make it easier to buy that. They've got to pay all that overhead mm -hmm. for the store, the refrigeration. So all these entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurial energy that's out there is always looking for what is an easier, more convenient way. We need to bring back the milkmen. We went back. That was a step backwards. Yeah, I think we'll have the milk drone. It won't That's, be the man. Exactly. Carrier pigeons, milkmen, they're all going to be replaced. They're all going to be back. Man, all... a drone would be perfect for milk because it would just be and you walk out and it's fresh. You know, mm -hmm. it's you know, it's farm to table. It comes right, right. from the farmer. They bypass the, the middle problem man. now, though, is probably that most households are going to be too full time. Yeah, people that are working, so they have to come. Make well, sure it drops early. into a little refrigerated box. Oh, They'll perfect! Figure that there we out. go. That's oh, yeah, it comes. I mean, I think about it, and I, you know, I order these HelloFresh or whatever, and it sits on my doorstep all day. Yeah, but right. I still come, and there it is. Right. So, and all it's you fine. need is scientists for that stuff. Yeah, I don't know what comes. I was thinking.
So That's deliver. Else's problem. Yeah. So the, all these companies are looking for ways to to innovate and to and to deliver, uh, and to deliver consistently and to deliver easily, consistently, and easily. Consistent, easy. If you make it that, it's like greasing the chute. I mean, you sit down on it. Now, how can you not go? It's easy. It's easy to buy, and it's and it's a consistent experience. It's not different every time you go in there. Netflix is a great example of. They took a page, and not only I think they saw what was happening at at Blockbuster, and must have thought, "Let's not make the same mistake," <laughs> because you know these people thought, "Well, it's brick and mortar stores, and it's been working." People remember showing up Friday night, and all the DVDs were gone, and you took the leftovers. And there's so much demand; it's amazing how companies can be. Whether it's CompUSA, whether it's Blockbuster, you create a delivery method that works, and then you believe that that's your salvation. It's that I have figured it out. I'm a genius. People want to stand in line and fight over, you know, the few remaining DVDs. Mm-hmm. That's really what they want to do. Right. Um, and no, it's just that you've created something where there's not another option. You should be looking for what is the next option that's going to beat us right now. Netflix did that and they created that go out to your mailbox. That's fairly convenient. But you're still what? You're waiting a day. Mm-hmm. Still got to return them. Yep. So got to put it in the, that envelope. And there was a decision, a very conscious decision that went on there to say, you know, we've put an awful lot of money in creating this massive distribution system of ordering DVDs. But they saw the writing on the wall. And unlike Blockbuster, they said, we, as, as much as this pains us, we can't just double down and, and double the size of our DVDs and start telling people why DVDs are the way to go. They just know it's eventually going to go streaming. So Netflix moved on to streaming, and then here's what I think was the most ingenious thing of all. Their stock at one point, I think, fell down to like $63 a share. They were going to call their DVD um, distribution, rebranded as Quickster, with this really convoluted spelling, and the DVDs would be a separate division, and streaming would be here, and they kind of were losing their way, and their stock fell down, I don't know, it was like $50, $60 a share. When they got their act back together and they said, you know what, we're going to be Netflix. You can order it as DVDs or you can stream it. Then they decided, in addition, what are we really into? And we said that Blockbuster was in the entertainment business. The aha was, wait a minute, why don't we create our own entertainment? Yeah, because otherwise they had to keep making deals all with all of these huge companies and you're in just order a to get man. their content. Yeah. You're just paying people. And streaming it, paying right. people and streaming it. And they don't have control over and they the don't. product. So they look to create an ecosystem, right? They were going to deliver, again, deliver here is the word, the entire experience. And Apple and Microsoft and Google are looking to, to deliver, you know, the whole experience. All of them are in this foot race to deliver an ecosystem where you stay within their bubble. And, you know, whether it's through diversification of their product offerings um, and delivery consistent experience, they're they're doing it. So DVDs, streaming, and now content. And I don't remember what their share price is, but at one point I looked, it had gone from like sixty at its low to three hundred dollars. It was it was a five hundred percent increase. That's domination, and that's because they continued to innovate. They didn't go, okay, well we've got it figured out. We're streaming now on. We can kind of predict that we'll make X amount of dollars a year and we'll just fight the fees every year. And they did that. 
They also deliver consistently. Dominant brands deliver a repeatable message and experience. Um, I like to use the ones, you know, we were kidding about the milk. You know, milk does the body good. Um, the incredible edible egg, <laughs> you know, fighting that cholesterol messaging. And uh, the, the one I like to use, and we used it with the Harmony Group, and we were out there, was nothing runs like a deer. And that just speaks to reliability. That message that if you buy a John Deere, it's reliable, 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 reliable. Volvo talks about safety, 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 safety. So you're owning that position. It's repeatable. It's experiential. I like to quote the boss. I think if you, I think it's always smart to quote the boss. And the boss is in Bruce Springsteen says, getting an audience is hard. And he should know this guy came up the hard way. Sustaining an audience is hard. It demands a consistency of thought, of purpose, and of action over a long period of time. So there's a guy who's not only a great musician, but a great branding expert, because he gets it. You develop your audience, you sustain your audience, and you need the consistency of thought, of purpose, and action. So if he came out every other week with a different format, a different style, and he was constantly delivering an inconsistent experience, sometimes he was good, sometimes he was bad, but he gives a, just a rock solid performance every week. So, <laughs> wow, nice. what are our takeaways from today? Think of dominant brands as master adapters and adopters. Mm -hmm. So they develop captivating stories and mutually beneficial partnerships. So remember, number one was develop. They really have rich stories. And they look for partners that will aid the development of their stories. Mutually beneficial. They mm -hmm. reinforce each other. A lot of times that comes at no additional expense, finding those partnerships. They diversify their distribution methodology to reach new audiences in new and more convenient ways. And there's never been a time in history where that's been more true in business. The distribution is changing. And the way it changes is could profoundly affect you. You don't want to end up on a cul-de-sac. There's mm -hmm. no more road to go on. You are stuck. But you've got this thing everybody wants that you don't have it in the format they want. It's the whole train thing. You know, you still own trains, but people want cars. Yep. They still need transportation, but they're just not going to get on a train. Yep. And lastly, you deliver a consistent experience and one that creates repeat customers. So develop diversify and deliver and you will become a dominant brand in your industry so i hope you got something from this week's show um liz thanks for participating here today as always here with brilliant branding and we look forward to speaking with you next week as we continue to shine the light on best practices in branding talk to you soon Thank you for listening to Brilliant Branding. Please join host Phil Davis and co-host Liz Heemstra for another edition of the program next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, stay brilliant.